other challenges. Business itself is a challenge. It is a fight. And if you are going to go the route of being self-employed, you must first overcome your fear. Uh, I'm a big Star Trek fan. And just recently, the last episode of Star Trek Discovery came out on Netflix and I was watching it. And the lead, one of the lead actors, he came out in a very important scene. And he said that even in fear, we can step forward. And that made such sense to me because that has always been one of the foundations of my business model is that even when you are scared, even when you are filled with un overwhelming fear, that you will fail. If you will simply take that first step, the second will come easier, the third will come even easier, and the fourth. Welcome friends to The Entrepreneur Speaks. I'm your host, Kofi Anumedu. Each week, I host an amazing entrepreneur on their journey, successes, and challenges. It is my hope that we'll learn from their experiences as we all work towards living a life of passion and purpose. My guest is originally from the United States, but has lived in Europe for 22 years. He has three businesses in food networking and in travel. My guest today is Jake Doty. He shares his journey today on the Entrepreneur Speaks podcast. Welcome to my show, Jake. Well, thank you for having me, Kofi. It's a pleasure being here today, and I'm super excited to be talking with you. Let's get to know you some more, Jake. Who is Jake Dotty, and how was your childhood like? <laughs> well, I was very blessed. I had a wonderful childhood. I was born in South Louisiana on the Gulf of Mexico in a very swampy region, right where they make Tabasco hot sauce. And I grew up there with my mother. My parents were divorced when I was very young and had a really good education. Went on to go to university at Oglethorpe in Atlanta, Georgia. And then after university, I returned back home to Louisiana, but I couldn't find a passion. I couldn't find something that I wanted to do. And I had studied European history and I had studied philosophy. And that wasn't too great career path for South Louisiana, <laughs> where most of the people work in the, yeah, most of the people there work in the oil field industry. So I knew I didn't want to do that. Wow. So, <laughs> so, so then you decided to travel and the choice was Europe. Was it because you studied European history? Yes, I studied European history. And my reason for coming to Europe was twofold or one. I knew I Tell loved us about it. it. Yeah. It's a great story. I was working as a bartender in New Orleans, and I had met some people from London, and they had told me how much fun the city was and how amazing England was. And I thought, gosh, I would love to go there. So I spoke with my mother, and between the two of us, we were able to find a way for me to come to Europe just to travel. And I was in Europe for four weeks. And when I went back home to Louisiana, I decided to make a decision that I was going to move to Europe. I didn't know where, but I knew I wanted to live here. So I started looking for work and I was very blessed. I found a application that I could fill out so that I could work for the American military in one of their recreation hotels in a small village called Garmisch-Partenkirchen, 
Germany. And it's in the southernmost region of Germany, right on the border of Austria. And it's a ski resort town. And so I thought that sounds fun. So I filled out the application. I was given a position. They flew me over to Germany. And that was 22 years ago. I worked for the American military for two years and then started traveling. I was in Austria for three years. I was in Italy. And I even lived in Switzerland for a short period of time. But I always kept coming back to this little village of Garmisch, Partenkirchen. And eventually it became home. I decided to settle here. And eventually I married a German girl from here. And we have two children, two little girls, a 10-year-old and a five-year-old. Mm, that's very interesting. And it's been your home since then. Correct. Pretty much for the past 14 years, I've lived in and around Garmisch Partenkirchen. Today, I live in a small village called Olstadt, which has, jokingly, I like to say, a population of 7,000 people and 11,000 cows. <laughs> All right, then. Now, let's talk about your businesses. Um, so what I want you to do is to tell us about each of the business and the story behind this setup. So let's start with Dairy Dairy. Did I get the pronunciation right? Yes, you did, Kofi. It's kind of funny. Everybody mispronounces Diri Dari. And Diri Dari, I did that on purpose. Diri Dari, it's a very, very old word. And it means an exchange of services. And it even goes back to an even older word, an old, old Italian word called Diri Diri, which just simply means cash. And Diri Dari was spawned out of COVID 19. What ends up happening was in March, of 2020, both of my tour guide businesses, which we can talk about in a minute, were dying. And I needed some way to keep food on the table for my children. And I wanted to do something that not only helped myself, but helped others. And in America and in Germany and all over the world, because of COVID-19, restaurants were closing left and right. And I thought, wow, there's got to be some way to help all those people who are now unemployed. And also, are desperate to feed their families. And so I started focusing on the chefs, the cooks, the people that were in the kitchen. And we came up with the idea of Diri Dari, which is a platform where chefs on board, they create live interactive cooking experiences. They sell them on the platform and we couple it with ingredient delivery as long as you're in the United States. But it is available worldwide. And anyone can book a chef and learn how to create anything from bagels to really good Indian food to, oh, we have this chicken pot pie that Chef Joshua Northcutt does, which is exquisite. It's called a deconstructed chicken pot pie. But it's all kinds of great stuff. And we're bringing on chefs every day in the United States who are unemployed. And we are giving them a way to make an income to feed their families. Mm, that's very interesting. Now let's look at all things Gamish. Tell us about that business and also the story behind this setup. Well, all things Garmish was born out of my love of history, especially European history. I originally worked as a tour guide uh, and a bartender as I traveled around Europe. And I've been, when I came back to Garmish, I think it was... 11 years ago now or 12 years ago, I 
fell in love. And this beautiful woman who would have me, which surprised me to say the least, um, I knew I wanted to be able to provide. And at the time I was making ends meet, but I wasn't making a, an income where I could afford a home, a car, a family. So I went to the city hall in Garmisch Partenkirchen and told them I'd like to open my own tour guide business. And they worked with me to set up the small business license. And I was very blessed in the sense that that was right when an online platform called TripAdvisor had just started. And my first client that I had with all things Garmisch Tours and Outdoor Recreation wrote a review on TripAdvisor about how great of a tour guide I was. And I was the very first tour guide to be reviewed in all of Bavaria on TripAdvisor. And so as that platform grew, so did my business. Eventually, as uh, I think last year, 2020, we had a staff of eight people. We were doing tours, outdoor recreation, team building, and trips to all kinds of really amazing things, such as like Krampus, this really crazy Christmas festival where these evil demons come out and they beat you. It's really, really insane, Kofi. If you ever come over, I'll take you. <laughs> we call it vacationing with fear. <laughs> you have very unique and interesting business operations. We'll talk into details later, but let's get to know the last one. So tell us about Bavarian beer vacations and the story behind it. (laughs) Well, the great thing about Bavaria is that they love beer. And in fact, the Bavarians like to think that they are the creators of beer. No, that's not true. Beer goes back to the history of mankind itself. But the Bavarians were considered to be one of the first cultures to add hops to beer, giving beer its current flavor. And today, beer is... It's so ingrained in the Bavarian culture. It is such a part of their culture that I thought I needed to highlight it. So I created Bavarian Beer Vacations where I take people to all the different beer festivals that they have. And in Bavaria, pretty much from March until the end of October, there is a beer festival somewhere. So it was an easy thing to set up. Now, of course, the highlight, Kofi, is that we get to go to the Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest in the city of Munich, where over a million people are drinking beer on any given day at the fairgrounds in downtown Munich is one heck of a neat event and one of my favorite times of the year. And I keep tables at all the best beer tents and tell everybody the wonderful history of how it started with the wedding. We talk about the six major breweries that are allowed to sell beer there. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, that. In particular business, I've had an operation now for about eight years, and it's still one of my personal favorites. Mm. So, so like I pointed out, you have very interesting and unique business operations. Tell us about how the journey has been so far with all these three businesses. How has the journey been so far? It's a challenge being a small business owner, especially in a country that I don't come from. So if I would have started these businesses in the United States, well, Deary Dari, let me rephrase, the two tour guide operations, Kofi, are registered here in Germany. Deary Dari is registered as an American business. Now, with that in mind, the two travel companies, being that I'm a foreigner, being that I was trying to start those over here, it made for a lot of interesting and unique challenges. Specifically, I didn't know the rules, the regulations, the laws. 
excuse me. And so I had to learn those very, very quickly, which was a challenge. And thankfully, the Bavarian government gives you a lot of help. They have something called the Arbeitsamt, uh, which is uh, their workers' bureau. And they're there to give you a hand, to help you, to teach you. And so they sent me to school to learn a little bit more German, to learn a little bit more about businesses in Germany. And then I went over to another German business office called the IHK, and they helped me with my certifications and with my tests that I needed to have in order to be a chauffeur, to drive people around, to get the insurances I needed and the certifications I needed to be a tour guide. And so I was very blessed in the sense that the German government was there to help. And as I said already, I was truly lucky in the timing. I had really good timing. It was right as something called online travel agencies were starting to take off, especially in America. People were tired of using travel agencies and spending so much money to get these vacation packages. And back then, a lot of people wanted to do it themselves. And websites such as TripAdvisor came along and they helped people travel on their own. And then what happened is that opened the door to online travel agencies such as Viator, Get Your Guide, Tours by Local, Expedia, Booking.com. And I was able to get registered on a lot of those platforms. And that really was what kind of propelled our business from a mom and pop into a boutique travel agency. Very interesting. So you've highlighted some of the challenges you've encountered so far. Are there others you'd like to share with my listeners? Well, other challenges. Business itself is a challenge. It is a fight. And if you are going to go the route of being self-employed, you must first overcome your fear. Uh, I'm a big Star Trek fan. And just recently, the last episode of Star Trek Discovery came out on Netflix. And I was watching it and the lead one of the lead actors, he came out in a very important scene and he said that even in fear, we can step forward. And that made such sense to me because that has always been one of the foundations of my business model is that even when you are scared, even when you are filled with un overwhelming fear, that you will fail if you will simply take that first step. The second will come easier. The third will come even easier and the fourth. And so, yeah, overcoming fear is the greatest challenge. And then the second greatest challenge and one that kills so many businesses is not being able to pivot, to change, to grow. And if you cannot shape your business so that it can grow and its foundations can change, you're, you're doomed for failure. And so with both All Things Garmish, we started off doing more team building, then we went into tours, then we went into vacation packages, and then same with Bavarian Beer Vacations. And then when both of those died um, in March, I needed to pivot. I knew that travel was going to be dead for quite some time. And I wanted to do something that could help. I wanted to do something that I thought would bring about a positive change in the world yet still be able to put food on the table for my children. And that's how Deary Dari was born. So now let's, let's, let me ask this related question. 
has the COVID-19 pandemic affected your operations? You've mentioned some of the fact that two of your businesses weren't doing too well. Were they as a result of the COVID-19? And how have you handled this so far? It was 100% because of COVID-19, Kofi. I was in South Africa in February visiting with some friends. We came back at the end of February. And I remember COVID-19 was just hitting the news. And by the middle of March, I got my first cancellation. And it was over a two-week period that I lost every single cancellation. Over two weeks, every single booking on all things Garmish and Bavarian beer vacations canceled in under two weeks. You're talking hundred, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars gone in a matter of two weeks. It was gone. It was, it was, it was, it was very challenging. It was demoralizing and I wallowed in it for quite some time before I realized that I had to do something. And the hardest part as always is making that pivot. So the first thing I did is I had to go to my staff of great people, great tour guides, great administrators, marketing agencies, agent. And then I had to bring them all in. It was at the time, eight people. We sat down and opened up a beer and all cried a little bit and realized that this was the end. We all had to say goodbye. I couldn't keep them on the payroll anymore. That was challenging. That was really hard. And, but it did lay down a nice fertile ground for the foundations of DeerIDari.com, which, as I said, has been really an amazing experience. It has taught me how to, how to grow and how to pivot and how to make those changes necessary to survive in small business. Mm, very interesting and insightful. You've, you've talked about the challenges you've encountered so far. Are there lessons you've picked up, lessons you'd like to share with my listeners? Good lesson is build yourself a good team. Once you have the foundations of, uh, of your small business or a business, so you have the foundations, you, you logically walked through the steps of how you're going to create the product and you're going to sell the product. Then begin to surround yourself with people you can trust and people who know more than you. I've been very blessed. I have an incredible team. I have two business partners, one who is the head chef of seven different restaurants. The other business partner is a computer programmer who worked for Booking.com, American Express Travel. And so that's the foundations. That's the core. And those are the people I can always lean on. And then we have brought in two new employees who have just changed the game, who have made Deary Dari grow exponentially. Laura Stutchley, who is taking care of all of our logistics, all of our ingredient delivery. She is amazing. And then we have the legendary chef Joshua Northcutt, who is in charge of making sure all of our chefs are happy. And we're getting new chefs every day because of his work. And so having a good team and surrounding yourself with people who have the same vision is key to building any business and for it to be able to scale. Thank you for those words. If you were to start this all over again, 
what would you do different? Wow. That's a good question. If I were to start over, what would I do different? Well, all things Garmish, when I started those 11 years ago, I would have, instead of running out the door, I would have walked out the door. I would have taken the time to try and learn more before I tried to give my first tours. One of the things that happened is I started giving these tours and my historical knowledge wasn't good enough. I didn't have the foundations necessary to be a good tour guide yet, but I needed to build the business. And so I would slow myself down in that particular business, study more history, learn more about where I am and where I'm going and the people I'm bringing on these tours. So that would have been one thing I would have changed with that business. Bavarian beer vacations. The only thing I would have done differently with Bavarian beer vacations is I would have focused more on the larger seven to 14 day trips and less on the everyday bringing large groups of people into festivals. It's a lot harder when you're dealing with large numbers every day of new people. And it's much easier when you're dealing with the same group for a longer period of time. So in travel, that's one thing I've learned. Now with Deary Dari, the lesson that I learned with this new business, which is only, what, seven months old, not even, um, slow down as well. Focus on the financing. Don't spend any money unless you absolutely have to. And as I already said, make sure you surround yourself with a good team. You have a good team. You've overcome your fear and you are capable of pivoting and making change when necessary. If you can put all those things together, then you can succeed. Very interesting. Tell us a bit more about the tours you organize. Wow. So all my tours, I've missed doing them so much. Um, we still haven't been able to reopen either of the tour guide businesses, but we loved taking people to New Schwanstein Castle, uh, the fairy tale castle um, depicted in Walt Disney's film Sleeping Beauty. But the castle itself is much older, built in the 19th century uh, by Ludwig II, one of the most famous Bavarian kings, known as the Mad King of Bavaria. And his death is wonderful. Well, his whole life is a wonderful tale. And I love that story. I love taking people to that castle and telling them. Tell us, tell us, before you continue, tell us about that story. I'm sure my listeners will be interested. <laughs> tell us about that story. Well, Ludwig was one of the last kings of the Wittelsbach dynasty to rule Bavaria. <coughs> Bavaria, excuse me, was for a short period of time its own country after the Napoleonic Wars. And it was during the reign of Ludwig II in the middle of the 1800s or end of the 1800s that that pretty much dies. 1871 is considered to be the unification of Germany, which occurs during the reign of Ludwig II when Prussia, northern Germany, forces its control over all the little Germanic states around it, including Bavaria. And that all occurs at the end of the Franco-Prussian War. So if you ever meet a German and you want to really upset them, simply tell them that the creation of their country, the creation of Germany, it didn't occur in Germany. It actually happened in France. At the end of the Franco-Prussian War, it was in Versailles that all the Germanic princes came together under um, uh, the Prussians and decided that they were going to create one Germanic empire in Versailles, in France, not in Germany, 1871, into the Franco-Prussian War. 
Well, Ludwig II, this is when he loses most of his power, but he still had some wealth, his family's wealth, and he used it to build castles. He built first a huge renovation to his downtown home in Munich, the residence, built a huge renovation to Nymphenburg Palace. Then he goes on to build New Schwanstein Castle, Linderhof Palace, Herren Chiemsee Palace, Schocken, and he had plans to build two more castles. He bankrupted his family and put them into debt that they did not pay off until 1972, I believe, or 71. Um, and a lot of people believe that was the reason for his demise, that the financial burden that he was putting on the family and his inability to rule, as well as his mental how do I put this mental <laughs> inability to mentally think straight? Let's say that. I don't want to say he was challenged, but he definitely was suffering from some illnesses, um, forced his own government to put him into the care of a psychologist, a man by the name of Dr. Gooden. And two days after going into the care of the psychologist, uh, the psychologist, Dr. Gooden, as well as Ludwig II, were both found dead at, um, at a lake, Stamberger and both under very mysterious causes. That was the end of Ludwig II's reign. And sadly, his beautiful castle, Neuschwanstein, this fairy tale castle that he built based on old legends of lore, including uh, Lohengrin and others, um, was never finished. But today, it is the most visited castle in all of Germany. Uh, over a million, I think it was 4 million people went in 2001. It's just a very, very busy, busy place. And one of my favorite places to take people to. Mm. Now let's talk about the other tours. Just before the story, you were talking about the tours you organized. So let's go back, talk about the other tours you organized. Wow. Well, we go to New Schwanstein, like I said, then we do a chocolate making tour where we take you to an incredible chocolate shop here. That's also a factory called uh, Chocolatier Amelie, where the head chocolatier teaches you all about German chocolate. And he teaches you how the different chocolates taste while you drink champagne and make your own chocolate to take home. It's so much fun. Then we do another one where we go to Linderhof Palace, another one of Ludwig II's castles. And we go to the village of Oberammergau, famous for the Passion Play, which is performed every 10 years. Had to be postponed, though, for 2020, so it will not be performed until 2022. And then we do a brewery tour, of course, several brewery tours, where we go and talk about beer and the history of beer. We go to Innsbruck, one of my favorite little villages right on the border of Italy and Austria. Innsbruck, in fact, is one of the oldest settlements we know of in the Alps. Inns is the name of a river and Brook is a bridge. It's a beautiful town and I highly recommend going there if you come and visit this area. And then we take people to Salzburg and then we do a Munich tour. And then as expected, we do a couple of World War II history tours around the area as well. Mm, very interesting. I can see you really adore Bavaria. I do. Um, what is there to find? Tell us some more. Please tell us about the history, culture, festivals, etc. Tell us. Just tell us. <laughs> I love Bavaria and I love this region of the world. I wish you guys could see what I see right now. I'm looking out my window. It's snowing like crazy. The mountains are all white. Um, I literally have a mountain in my backyard. And I love 
the fact that where I live is a ski town. And so my kids are sledding right now up on the mountain. And I love the fact that there's zero crime. This little village of Olstadt, I haven't locked the back door to my home since I moved here. Uh, and nothing's ever been stolen or taken other than one day, one of the drunk neighbors stole my kid's little wagon to carry his drunk friend down to the train station, but he brought it back the next morning. That's the only thing that's ever been borrowed, let's say. And I love the Bavarian people. These people, um, they have suffered greatly throughout history and they still can wear a smile on their face and they can still be proud of who they are. And I think that's wonderful. And they show their pride in who they are with their clothing. And of course, their very famous lederhosen, their leather pants and their traditional dress of the women, the dirndl. And they show it with their beer festivals where all the kids come out to the beer festivals and they dance and have their traditional different types like the tanz and all that kind of stuff. And there's so much pride in who they are and where they come from and their history. And I really adore that. And I respect that. And they respect themselves. And so I think that's really unique. And when you think of Bavaria, Southern Germany, it's actually very different from the rest of Germany. You see Germany in the, oh gosh, 1600s of the 17th century had a horrible war between 1618 and 1648. Now it wasn't called Germany at the time. This area was called the Holy Roman Empire. And between 1618 and 1648 was the great fight between the Catholics and the Protestants to decide what their religious belief of this area would be. Most of the Germanic people became Protestant following the teachings of Martin Luther. But Bavaria down here stayed Catholic. And they stayed Catholic throughout the war and even after the war. Still to this day, most of Bavaria is Catholic. And it shaped their culture. It shaped their language the way they speak, the way they act. And it's fascinating to me. I'm not a very religious person, but it's just fascinating to me to watch this uh, unfold in this region. And I think it's just magical. Plus, if you love to travel, as I do, Bavaria is right there on the Brenner Pass, the Brennero. Um, so we're really close to Italy. Um, I'm only about an hour and 15 minutes away from Italy. I'm about 20 minutes away from Austria. I'm about 45 minutes away from Switzerland. And Croatia is only about four hours away. So it's really a nice place to be if you want to continue traveling. We're just about wrapping up. But a lot of my listeners are either in business or about to start business. And having operated your companies for some time, I believe you have words of advice you like to offer. So what would be your words of advice to people already in business, facing some difficulties and those yet to start? Well, as I said before, one of the first things, two things, is you have to, as that Star Trek TV show actor said, um, even in fear, you must be able to step forward. You must be able to overcome your fear and take that first step. Then you have to be capable of change. You have to be willing to pivot. You have to keep an eye on your market at all times and see what they want and learn from that. And then three, you have to continue to work harder than all of your competitors. 
at all times, I look at the people trying to do the same thing that I have been doing, a tour guide, or even in my new business, Deary Dari. I look at our competition and I think, okay, I can see what they're doing. I have to do it better and I have to work harder to get to that point. And so continue to just push yourself. And my prize or my goal, and everybody has to find their own. My goal has always been to continue to put food on the table for my kids. And as long as I can do that, then I'm happy. And I can't wait to bring Deary Dari, our new platform, to Ghana. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, it will be very exciting to have that. Yes. Um, we are about ending our conversation, but I believe I have listeners both in Ghana and in not so many countries. And I'm sure after COVID, a lot of them have vacations. They are thinking of planning. How do they get in touch with you? How does one get in touch with you if the person intends coming your way? No problem. If I'm very easy to find if you want to come and travel Bavaria. All you have to do is type in all things Garmish, G-A-R-M-I-S-C-H, and you'll find me. Or, as always, you can go to TripAdvisor and type in Tour Guide Bavaria, and I'm usually number one that pops up. So that's an easy way to find me if you want to come and travel Bavaria. Now, if you would like to have a chef come into your home and using live interactive cooking, um, want to have a live interactive cooking experience in your home, uh, that's also very easy as well. All you have to do is go to dirydari.com, D-E-R-I-D-A-R-I.com. And you can find all of our chefs cooking all their amazing meals. And even in Ghana, in the Republic of Ghana, you can order a chef to be in your home using video conferencing and teach you whatever it is that you would like to learn. So those are the two ways to find me. Sure. So listeners, I encourage you to patronize his service. And I would, for, for, would also make time and get a chef to, to assist me cook some lovely meals here. Kofi, thank it's you been so an much. Sure, sure. It's been an amazing time talking with you, Jake. And I wish you the very best. Oh, I thank wish you, you the very best. Thank you, and I wish you the very best as well. I am dying to come to the Republic of Ghana. I would love to go to Accra and see the coast. I'm sure it's gorgeous. Sure, it is. It is so Anytime you are in town, just let me know. And I'll be your tour guide. (laughs) Oh, that would be wonderful. Thank you so much, Kofi. (laughs) Listeners, this has been an amazing episode with Jake Doty. He shared his journey with us. He's invited us to Bavaria. I've also invited him to Ghana, where I'm going to be his tour guide. As always... Keep listening to our show. I'll come your way next week with another exciting episode. I remain your host, Kofi Animedu. Let's all stay safe and continue to keep hope alive. Cheers. Cheers.